This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, July 20th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. Accredited investors are supposed to be more savvy than the rest of us. They're supposed to be better at the ins, the outs, and the pitfalls of investing. But the way accredited investors are approved by the feds doesn't make a lot of sense. And the implications for the kinds of investments you might have access to are quite large. Cato's Jennifer Schulp discusses some potential reforms to those rules now in Congress. Jennifer, you and I have talked about accredited investors and sort of the, is it fair to call them paternalistic rules with respect to investing and the degree to which people can be more active in investing without somebody holding their hand? I think it's only fair to call them paternalistic rules. There's not other, not really another way to describe them. The accredited investor rules essentially prevent people who don't make a certain amount of money or have a certain amount of money in the bank from investing in what are known as private, a lot of what are known as private securities offerings. So not the type of securities that trade on the NYSE, but offerings that are made in the private markets. Private markets are where most companies start and where investments in startups, small businesses, and and the like proliferate. And these rules prevent uh, basically 90% or so of the American population from investing in those types of companies on the basis that the amount of money that they have in their pocket determines whether or not they are sophisticated enough to assess the risk for themselves of making these investments. That's nothing if not paternalistic. See, I'm wondering about people who may be relatively cash poor, but also expertise rich in some particular industry or some particular endeavor who would like to make these kinds of investments without this requisite handholding and under current rules are just prevented from doing so. Yeah, it's a major problem. The As I described them before, they're obviously paternalistic and they will put aside the fact that this isn't the right type of decision for any government regulation, let, telling people how they can and cannot invest their money. So any regulation that looks like this is a problem. But there's an even bigger problem here because the lines that have been drawn really don't match the risks that they're trying to trying to ameliorate. Saying that people that don't have a lot of money can't understand investments in the private markets. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense at all. We have folks like you talked about who might know an awful lot about an industry might know an awful lot about startup investing, but they themselves don't have a lot of money. They're prevented from investing in these types of investment by the accredited investor rule. Simultaneously, you have people that won the lottery or elderly people who don't have a lot of investing expertise, but simply over the course of their lifetime have a retirement fund that makes them accredited investors are able to make these types of investments regardless of showing that they have any sort of sophistication in the financial space to be able to understand the risks. And this wealth test is is a really poor bright line rule for dealing with the risks that the rule claims to be dealing with. And I'm wondering if I'm an accredited investor, do I really want the unicorns that I would like to bet on 
to get bid up preemptively so that my opportunities are relatively more scarce to make lots of money. I think that's a potential problem. It's not a lot of rhetoric that you hear right now from folks who fight in favor of keeping the accredited investor definition as is. Either they're smart enough to not make that argument or they're kind of focused more on the idea that private market investing is very risky and thus people without money shouldn't engage in it because they don't have money to lose. Um, that's a pretty paternalistic sentiment right off the bat, but it also completely ignores the fact that investing itself carries risk, and that risk is often tied to the possibility of better returns. So higher risk means potential higher reward. Shutting people out of the risk also shuts them out of the reward. And this is an even bigger problem where we have kind of a, a shrinking number of public companies historically. And companies that come to the public markets now tend to be much more mature. That could be good for stability, but it's not great for making big investments where you're looking for high reward because the companies that tend to do an IPO and trade on the NYSE or NASDAQ are past their high growth phases. So the accredited investor standard has this, say, perverse or intended, if that's what you want to see it as, effect of preserving the higher growth investment opportunities for those who already have money making it easier for the wealthy to continue to get wealthy and preventing people that don't have money up front from being able to make great strides. If you think about how VCs do their investing, venture capitalists, it, it you know, they expect most of the investments that they make to fail, I assume, at least in the tech sector. And they're really just looking for diversity to to maybe locate that one firm that is really going to pay off. And the only difference, sometimes the only difference between those VCs and somebody who just knows a lot about that industry might be the, the size of their portfolio. And as you said, that seems to be a poor bar for measuring whether or not somebody should be allowed to do this. It's absolutely a poor bar. And I say, fortunately, we've seen a little bit of movement on making uh, access to private market investments more available for those people who are, quote, sophisticated, who, who can understand the risks, but who might not have money to meet the wealth thresholds in the accredited investor definition as is. These are kind of what I refer to as baby steps, because I think that there needs to be more dramatic reform of the accredited investor definition to get rid of the this paternalistic tendency here. But what we saw in a couple of weeks ago, the House passed three bills aimed at reforming the accredited investor definition. This was part of a, a longer effort coming out of the House Financial Services Committee that included a number of hearings on the topic, one of which I testified at back in February talking about the difficulties that this bright line wealth test poses for people who want access to this asset class, but can't simply because they don't make enough money. I wonder about the flip side too, which is opportunities to get investment. 
how do the current rules change the ability of small startups with a great idea and not a lot of money to actually go about securing a much broader base of funders? It's it's a problem. And in fact, during the testimony that I gave in February, the other panelists tended to be focused on that side of the issue. There were folks who worked for angel capital associations, who worked in getting angel investment, and individuals who themselves had started businesses and then had moved on towards helping others to start businesses. My three co-panelists were all people who came from minority groups, Hispanic or Black Americans, who detailed the difficulties that minority-owned businesses in particular have in getting investments because the accredited investor rules prevent people in their own communities who might not be as wealthy from supporting their businesses. I think what was also of particular note during that hearing is one of my co-panelists himself had been an advisor to an angel capital association for more than 20 years. So his job was to look at potential investments and talk to people who had money about what would be a good investment. He was unable to invest himself because in that role, he didn't make enough money to make the investment. Who is better suited to understanding the risks than someone who had worked in that industry for decades and focused on figuring out what was a good investment? Though the way the rules are right now, he wasn't able to invest for decades. I think what's really great about some of these reform efforts is that there was bipartisan support in recognizing that the wealth test the $200,000 a year or a million dollars in net worth is has discriminatory impacts on people who don't make a lot of money but understand the risks and that it just makes no sense. So the uh, bills that passed out of the House are kind of aimed towards expanding the accredited investor definition beyond the wealth test to trying to capture the idea of a sophisticated investor. Two of those bills look at it from the the viewpoint of if a potential investor has certain professional credentials. For example, the SEC updated their rules in 2020 to allow people who hold a broker license or a registered investment advisor to themselves be considered accredited. The two of the bills look at putting that in the statute and having the SEC look to see where there are other professional accreditations that show an indication that someone is a sophisticated investor and having the SEC be required to routinely review that and go back to make sure that they have the list right. That's a good step. It largely codifies what we have in the regulations right now, but putting that in statute is an important expansion. The other bill that was passed by the House looked at creating and would require the SEC to create an accredited investor examination so that anyone can take a test and prove that they understood the risks. 
There's drawbacks to that type of situation. Obviously, that puts another hurdle in front of people deciding what to do with their own money. But the fact of the matter is, is that those people are the under the current rules, they've already been blocked out. So while I don't think that's an ideal solution, it is kind of expanding access here in a way that is not available under the current rules. I think Congress can do better, but I'm happy to see any sort of movement here to recognize that a, a wealth test is a very poor means of drawing a line between people understanding investment risks and being allowed to invest. And that's that Congress is not a pla- in a place right now where they're going to say anyone can invest their money how they see fit, and that's unfortunate. But opening the door to more investors that can show that they understand the risks is a great first step in opening the door further for more people to have these investment opportunities. Jennifer Shulp directs financial regulation studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.